0: This is the City of Refuge, Thomaston, Georgia, Sunday morning podcast. The following is a live recorded sermon by Pastor Jeff Deal. So I'm happy to be back. Uh, We were supposed to have a service three weeks ago, and then we had a whole bunch of COVID stuff going on, so we... Suspended it for a little bit and then decided to come back this Sunday And I was supposed to be speaking The Sunday that we canceled and I was thinking I was getting out of it and then dad was supposed to go to Virginia this week And I was like uh, So you're going to Virginia and I'm speaking right and he was like well my trip got canceled but you're still speaking I was like Well dad it. So here we are And Um, I'm going to open up in prayer, and I'm going to give you the order of service. It's going to be a little different today. So I'm showing a video. It's about 10 minutes long, I think. But before we show the video, I'm going to do a little prequel. We're going to talk about part of the video so that it's easier to understand, because it's by a guy named Jordan Peterson, and he's a clinical psychologist, and it's like, It's out there, it's complicated, so we're gonna try to break it down first. And if you could understand it without breaking it down, that would be great. I had to work it out watching it like 15 times to mostly understand it. So before we play it, we're gonna read a little bit, kinda learn a little bit before we watch it, all right? And so then after that, we'll watch the video and then I'll come back speak after the video and then we're just going to do one song today because i didn't want to do too much the video's 10 minutes i think that's already longer than what we do in two songs so eddie's going to come up towards the end and we'll do uh, none but jesus it's kind of the theme of the day none but jesus it's a choice we have to make And then after that, Dad will come up and he's going to kind of do the announcements. He'll talk to you all for a minute about what's going on in the night of worship. So if you have questions about that, we'll get around to that too. And then he'll pray us out. So anyways, Lord, we come to you this morning with an open heart. We pray and invite that your Holy Spirit come into the room this morning. Uh, Push me out of the way and allow you to bring the word pray that everybody in this room come with an open mind, ready and willing to listen. And Lord, I pray for uh, City Refuge as a whole, that we are ready and willing to choose none but Jesus, to choose to be disciples of the living God as opposed to falling into the enemy's traps of what's common and what is easy, Lord. And I lift up this morning a couple individuals that we know of who are going through some really tough times, Uh, Charlie and Rita. uh, That is uh, Bruce Dill, his wife Rhonda, that's her parents. So we're pretty close to them. Lord, we just lift them up this morning. They're dealing with uh, coronavirus and um, a couple other things. And we just pray for them that you would touch them and your will be done and heal them and be with the family, comfort them. Lord, we also lift up Orvis to you this morning and just pray deeply over his situation that your will be done and you protect him, keep him safe in your loving arms and the family as well and comfort them in this extremely hard time. I pray for anybody else who's uh, suffering any repercussions of coronavirus or anything in the current times. And we just lift all these problems up to you and choose to walk firmly in you No matter what, Lord, in your name I pray, amen. All right, so like I said, the song we're going to do is None But Jesus. And so what that means today, and the reason why I chose the song, is that we have the ability to choose. And we're going to talk about two kingdoms. Dad's talked about it a bunch of times the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of man, and the kingdom of God, okay? And so we have the ability to choose, and what we need to choose is to say no to everything else in the world, and yes to nothing but Jesus, none but Jesus. So that's why we're going to do the song. As far as the video goes, what I'm going to read is about the first minute and a half to two minutes of what is spoken in the video. But like I said, it's super complicated and it could just blow right over your head. It blew right over mine the first few times. But the more I watched it and the more I related it to the word, because like I said, this guy's name is Jordan Peterson, clinical psychologist, and it's rare to see this, but he relates a lot of what he talks about and learns to the Bible, to the word of God which is uncommon, he's a college professor, and he will, or at least he was, I think he probably got kicked out or whatever, because he would speak a lot in his uh, lectures using what he knows about clinical psychology to relate it to the Word of God. And I guess that's probably a no-no in a lot of universities nowadays. So, but it's deeply interesting, and I think you'll find it super interesting um, when we watch the video. But what I'm first gonna do is I'm gonna read it all the way through, we're all gonna be totally confused, and then we're gonna go back and break it down, all right? And then we won't be confused anymore, hopefully. So it says, if you only know how to behave, you're just a domesticated house cat or a lap dog. You have to push beyond your persona, and that's what the integration of the shadow does from the union perspective. Y'all confused yet? It's to pull the monster that's been edit out, edited out of you, to pull that back in and allow it to reveal itself within, you, within your increasingly sophisticated way of being. I can barely even speak it. And then you're not just a persona. You can't escape from your persona unless you can say no. If you're a persona, then you're an obedient citizen. But the problem with being an obedient citizen is that if the society tells you to march the Jews off to the death camp, for example, then that's what you'll do. And it isn't like the the society is civilized, and then all of a sudden you're performing some act of atrocity. That isn't how it works. It's like you're obedient, and then you're asked to violate your conscience a little bit. And you have to because you don't have anything other than your persona and that's obedience. And a little more obedience is demanded of you and you say, okay. And then you're a little bent because the society is becoming a little bent and you're a little weaker. And then you're asked to violate your conscience a little bit more. And you could have said no before, but you didn't. So you say yes again. And then you say yes again. And then you say yes again. And then you have a society where one third of the population is informing on the other two thirds. It's hell. Well, so how do you say no? Well, that's the shadow. All right? Did anybody get any of that? A little bit, or a little bit following along? All right, now we're gonna back up and break it down so that we understand it. So he says, if you only know how to behave, then you're just a domesticated house cat or lap dog. You have to push beyond your persona. Okay, the first thing we need to understand is the persona. What is the persona? So I'm gonna drop down a little bit because he explains it further and then we'll go back up and keep reading. If you're a persona, then you're an obedient citizen. All right, so an obedient citizen, let's say in a civilized society, quote unquote, or a polite society, you're just, you know, whatever your community is, whatever your country that you're living in is, if you're just a persona, then you like, you keep up with your politicians, you keep up with celebrities and watch sports and you watch the news and then these people are informing on you and these people increasingly are going against the will of God the kingdom of God because all this stuff that I just mentioned is in the kingdom of man and so these people will be informing on you and and pressuring you and if you're just an obedient citizen if you're just a persona then you'll just follow along, right? You're just gonna keep following along and keep following along and keep saying yes and keep doing what is pushed upon you a little bit at a time, right? So that's what a persona is. But the problem with being an obedient citizen is that if society tells you to march the Jews off to the death camp, for example, then that's what you'll do. That's the rest of that sentence, but let's back up. Because we need to know about the shadow and this is where we're going to flip the script today you have to push beyond your persona what we just talked about is your persona you have to push beyond that and that's what the integration of the shadow is from a union perspective we're not going to get into union today j-u-n-g not like union teachers or anything like that because that's like a whole philosophy thing but what we do need to know about is the shadow What do we typically think about as the shadow, right? We would think about evil. We would think about the devil. Because we're coming from a kingdom of God perspective, we're supposed to be light. So that's typically what we would consider the shadow, right, is evil. Okay, but what would be the shadow if we're talking about the kingdom of man right now? The shadow would be anything from the kingdom of God, right? So that's how we're flipping the script today, all right? So the shadow integrated into your persona is what keeps you from, (laughs) y'all are going to be so confused back there, but bear with me. That's what keeps you from marching the Jews off to the death camp because you're going to have that integrated within you so that you are conscious enough to not just go along with everything that the kingdom of man would tell you. So you're not just a persona, all right? So we're getting there. So persona in the shadow. And we flip the script. The shadow is benevolence. It's the kingdom of God, all right? So it's to pull the monster, the monster. If we're talking about the kingdom of man, then what's the monster? The monster is anything from, coming from the kingdom of God. So it says, to pull the monster that's been edited out of you. Did you hear me? Polite society is editing out of you the monster of God. You following me? It's to pull the monster that's been edited out of you, to pull that back in and to allow that to reveal itself within your increasingly sophisticated way of being. So what's your increasingly sophisticated way of being? Well, it's just living in polite society. We are continuously marching further this way. This way today is the kingdom of man, all right? So we've got all this technology, we've got all these media outlets informing upon us, we've got all these politicians that we follow, and we put a lot of faith in that, but that's all just a bunch of crap. But we increasingly move towards that anyways, Because as a collective, this kingdom of man stuff over here is editing God out of us. It's like more and more, a little bit at a time, right? We have to believe certain things. We wind up having to agree with certain things. I'll give you something as an example of what I'm saying. Increasingly sophisticated society and God being edited out of us, okay? Homosexuality, right? So we love gay people. We love everybody. That doesn't mean you have to agree with the lifestyle, just like you don't have to agree with a lot of other lifestyles, okay? So you can understand and be okay with the fact that it's a sin and still love the person. But what civilized society would tell you. is that you're a horrible, no good, very bad bigot if you believe that. Right? But a little bit at a time. At first it's like, just be okay with the fact and then legalize it, which government does what government does. I don't even care about that. But then you get so far as to start throwing in all the other stuff. LGBT to the Q, to the A, to the I, to the P, to the P, Okay, A little bit at a time. You hear me? To the point now where you have what's called universalist, Unitarian churches. I think you guys passed some of them up in Maine. And what's funny is not long after they told me they saw this, it's just, it ain't a church. I I mean, I wouldn't come up here. and. rag on other denominations or other churches but it ain't a church okay it's supposedly it is okay but this is like the furthest you get that's where they're trying to drag you in polite society and i was watching a news um well it wasn't really a news it was a podcast this guy was talking about an hbo show that's about transgender kids all right and there's a kid who's four years old He's a boy, but he's a transgender girl, okay? But what's happening is his mom is informing that upon him because my daughter would tell me when she was two, I'm a boy. Or when she's three, I'm a boy. It should be funny saying that. And you don't take it seriously. You're like, huh? ha no, honey, you're not a boy. Trust me, you would know. Here's how you would know. You know, it's like you educate your kids and you just, you wouldn't let your kid go get a face tat when they're three, would you? But you let them be complete and total flip-flop of their sexuality. It's like ridiculous. But you have these parents in a common theme in the show, a show exploiting transgender kids. It's, that's where we go this way. Remember Kingdom of Man way. The dad is like not super involved in most of the kids' lives. And then the mom is just like totally diving into. I guess that one time her boy said that he was a girl. And now it's transgender, got a whole different name. I think it's like Luna or something like that. She should be called Luna because she's a lunatic. But they're in this universalist Unitarian church. And the mom, they're having like a big coming out ceremony. And so the mom and this little boy who says he's a girl, he's like in a dress, he's pink and everything, is supposed to get up there and tell everybody that he's a girl and that he prefers such and such pronouns, right? Okay. The only problem is when he gets up there and gets the mic, he looks at his mom and he says, I don't want to do this. So his mom grabs the microphone and says it for him like he just said he didn't want to do it so why aren't you listening as well now as you are when he said that one time that he was a girl and so then later he's getting like interviewed by the TV people you know they'll have like little scenes and then you'll see him you know sitting in a chair or whatever getting interviewed that's kind of how shows work and he says, I feel like my life is totally ruined. He's four. He's four years old and he feels like his life is totally ruined. (laughs) That's child abuse, let me tell you. So, to finish, We have to pull the monster, God, polite society thinks God is a monster. We have to pull that monster that has been edited out of us back in and allow it to reveal itself within our increasingly sophisticated way of being, which is all this kingdom of man crap, all right? There's a verse, I don't even know where it is in the Bible, I'll be honest with you but it says you need to be as wise as a serpent but innocent as a dove. So we need to be wise to all this crap, but innocent from it, all right? So let's continue. Pull that back in, the monster, and allow that to reveal itself in your increasingly sophisticated way of being, and then you're not just a persona. You can't escape from your persona unless you can say no. And unless you're going to say no, don't bend a knee, don't give an inch, because remember, it's a little bit at a time. If you're a persona, then you're an obedient citizen. But the problem with being an obedient citizen is that if the society tells you to march the Jews off to the death camp, for example, then that's what you'll do. And it isn't like society is civilized and then all of a sudden you're performing some act of atrocity, it's not all of a sudden, right? That isn't how it works. It's like you're obedient and then you're asked to violate your conscience a little bit. And you have to because you don't have anything other than that persona, that ability to say no because that monster has been edited out of you, right? And so that's obedience. And a little more obedience is demanded of you, and you say, okay, And then you're a little bent because the society is becoming a little bent. Here's something else we need to understand. How is the society getting a little bent? We're the society, right? So you're being informed on as an individual, but so is all the other individuals. So the whole society is becoming bent. That's what makes it so hard to pull back out. Because the whole society is going that way. It's like if you, if you want to be a rebel, be a good disciple of God. Because this is so easy over here. It's like the only people you have to rebel against are your parents if you have good Christian parents. It's like you spend most of your time when you're an adult away from your good Christian parents. And then the rest of the world is just accepting what you do as a rebel. You're not being that. It's way harder to stay over here and to say no to what everybody else in the world is saying is okay and that you're a terrible person if you don't accept that. And then you're a little bent because the society is becoming a little bent and you're a little weaker. And then you're asked to violate your conscience a little bit more and you think, well there's a little less of me and the pressure's on a little bit more. And I could have said no before, but I didn't, right? So it's like telling the truth. It's way more expedient, expedient meaning basically good for the present, like it's, it's going to be better right now. It's way more expedient to tell a lie and deal with the truth later. But each time you lie, the truth becomes more difficult to eventually get out when you have to get it out, right? So each time you say no, it becomes harder to pull yourself back out. So you say yes again, and you say yes again. And then you have a society where one-third of the population, all those talking heads I talked about earlier, is informing on the other two-thirds. I'm not even sure it's a whole third, by the way. He says it's hell. He's not using it as a cuss word, it's hell. It's like, well, how do you say no? And then he says, well, that's the shadow. And according to the kingdom of man, what's the shadow? God, right? The Holy Spirit, right? So that's why I said we're flipping the script. It's like God's bad today, and we're being rebels. You know what I'm saying? It's the shadow. It's the monster, apparently, according to all them. I guess you got to be a monster, but you can't give in, you can't bend an in, you can't follow polite society, political correctness, right? I mean, if that's what it is, that's what it is. I mean, do what you gotta do, right? Okay, and so we're about to play the video, but r- right before we play it, he's gonna say something about Bill C-16. It's a Bill, he's Canadian, but I don't know if this, because I know he lived in Australia, if, Australia for a little bit, I've watched a lot of his videos, so I, I know a little bit about him. And he, in one of those places, Canada or Australia, they introduced a bill that requires you I don't know if it passed or what or anything but that requires you to use people's preferred fr- pronouns. And he says, before then, he had no problem even using people's preferred pronouns, you know? If he's got a friend or somebody who would like that, then it's like, okay, that's fine. I'll do that, I'll do you a favor, whatever. But once it becomes a law, once it becomes a requirement, he says, I had to say no, because I'm not just gonna follow along. And he'll address that in the video. I just didn't want you to hear Bill C-16, because he doesn't speak to that in depth and not know what he's talking about, okay? And he says the word damn in it, and he's not being blasphemous or anything, but I hope that doesn't offend anybody. You ready? And now what we're going to do is we're going to try to relate the video more to a specific story in the Bible. Now, I've addressed the story in the Bible before in a different sermon. It comes out of the book of Matthew, which a lot of times is somewhere in the book of Matthew is what I speak on when dad has me speak. Um, and I've kind of spoken on this part before, but in a totally different context, which is pretty cool because it's going to be a whole different word today from the same, same set of verses, which just tells you how deep the Bible runs. It, it's living, it, it, you, it'll never run dry, you can continue to get things out of it, which I think is pretty cool. So we're going to do Matthew 26, 36 through 56, and this is when uh, Jesus is uh, suffering and praying in Gethsemane in the night because he knows what's, what lies ahead. He knows what the Father has willed. And he knows that it is treacherous, it is hard, and that his flesh is too weak to handle it, so he has to pray, and he has to pray, and he has to pray, and he has to... He says, God, if if you could take this from me, let it pass, but if I have to drink it, then your will be done. And what he's doing is he's gaining the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. And you'll understand why in a minute when he has to tell one of his disciples who's just sleeping, he tells them, you couldn't even stay up for one hour. Watch and pray. Pray because the flesh is weak, okay? Sully wants to go to sleep. But the spirit is willing. That's what he says. He says the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. All right? So it says, Jesus then went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Before I go any further... As human beings, first of all, Jesus is like a super extreme example of us, right? So he's a man, but he's 100% God. He can do all these things that we can't do and inevitably winds up being perfect, which we can't do either. But just like fish in the loaves, like we can't do stuff like that. We can't lift people up from the dead. Now, there are more minor things, trying to explain it the right way we're just basically a super broken-down minor version of Jesus, okay? So he deals with much greater power, and he's going to deal with a much greater sorrow, okay? And so in our lives, it's not quite as extreme, but what the flesh would have us do, say if our politics don't go the right way that we hoped, or, you know, just something in life, and, you know, some things in life can happen where, There is sorrow, like you lose a person or something like that. But as far as just like walking through life and something happens that you don't want, if we're not paying attention and we let our flesh control our situation, then we'll just be flailing about and trying to fight because Sully wants to fight. You know what I mean? And so we got to watch and pray like Jesus said. And so Jesus is sorrowful, and he says right here, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. So what's he going to do? He's not going to go to sleep and get some rest. He's going to go pray to God for the power of the Holy Spirit to come over him because he knows that the flesh is weak and he knows that the spirit is willing. Okay? So it's not about fighting or it's not about the flesh. It's not about what we want to do and our own perspective on the situation because that's wrong. It's about the spirit. It's about God and his will and where we can draw strength is by praying to him. All right. So this is a super extreme example. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. See, when he says keep watch, I want to bring up the wise as a serpent thing, innocent as a dove. It's like These guys need to be wise to the situation at hand. So he says, watch. That's them needing to be wise to the situation at hand and pray so that they can be filled with the Holy Spirit when the situation finally comes as it's about to. But you'll see these are polar opposites. This is the perfect example of the flesh and the Holy Spirit. Okay, Because Jesus is going to choose the Holy Spirit and his disciples, maybe on purpose. Maybe that's the whole purpose of the story. They're going to choose the flesh, all right? So Jesus, going a little further, fell to his face on the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not as I will, but you will. He's gaining a little strength. He's choosing to pray to God. He's not choosing to start freaking out about the situation. And as he does start to freak out about the situation, he continues to pray harder and harder and harder for strength because he knows that the Spirit is willing. Then he turned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Okay, so he said, be watchful. They need to be wise to the situation, and they're not. Couldn't you even keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The kingdom of man is all about the flesh, right? And the Holy Spirit is a monster. The Holy Spirit is a shadow, right? He went for a second time and prayed because he's not getting any help from his disciples. So he is continuing to become overwhelmed by the situation. The flesh is. And so he has to pray it out again. He has to pray another time, Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, he wants it to be taken away. He doesn't want to go through with it. He says, if it can be, I would, I would have already given up a long time ago. I'm a sinner, right? But may your will be done. When he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. This is another reason why I say Jesus is a super extreme version. It's like Jesus knows that he is about to be crucified for us. He knows exactly what lies ahead. He knows how treacherous it is. He knows how bad it is. That is extreme. These dudes don't exactly know what's going on, and they're still too sleepy to handle the situation because their, quote-unquote, eyes were heavy, right? But that's you, and that's me. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, right? Saying the same thing, third time. So while they're sleeping and resting and not wise to the situation, Jesus is being become, he is becoming filled with the Holy Spirit because the situation is at hand. It's about to explode and the Spirit is willing. And here it comes. He returned to his disciples and said, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. And the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's ready, so he says, rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. He's completely disobedient to all this kingdom of man stuff. You're about to see all the kingdom of men people walking up on him, and he's saying no to them. He's saying no. But how is he saying no? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, not through the power of Jesus as a man, because our flesh is weak. So then while he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs. So I don't know about you, so let me ask you. If you were sleeping and resting, not wise to the situation at hand, If you're just sleeping and resting, and you wake up to a horde of people coming at you with clubs and swords, what's going on in your head? You're totally freaking out, completely taken off guard. They got clubs. They got swords. So you haven't been getting ready in the spirit. So you're all flesh, right? Well, what is the flesh doing? The flesh is freaking out, right? The flesh is like, all right, what's up? We about to fight, okay? I got some swords right here, buddy. What's up? Jesus ain't ready to fight okay he's not gonna fight he's not filled with the flesh okay so the the flesh is all fight-or-flight like what's Sully gonna do in this situation okay completely caught off guard completely unwise to the situation at hand so while he was still speaking oh yeah one of the twelve arrived with him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs Here you go you ready for this sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people so what do we say we go back to the video now and remember the part where he said one-third of the population is informing on the other two-thirds we we're not just focusing on the disciples flesh and uh uncommitment to stay awake and become wise to the situation The society is coming after them, right? The society who has been listening to the high priest and the elders and these people informing upon them so that they're becoming bent and confused and lost and don't know what the real truth is, and they're ready to kill Jesus. Can you think of in history times when we've been ready to kill people? Marching the Jews off to the death camp. It's a bent society who got bent, and then a little more, and then a little more, and then they're marching people off to kill them because one-third of the population was informing on the others, and so they're coming to kill Jesus, who is totally innocent. Now, the betrayer had arranged a signal with them, the one I kiss is the man arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus, and I'd like to put quotes right here before he says replied, Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit because he's still totally ready. He's been getting ready the whole time. He's wise to the situation. He knows what he has to do. The Spirit is willing. All that and then replied, okay? So Jesus, all that replied, do what you came for, friend. All right, so let's get ready to go back to the flesh. Then the man stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. So the flesh that these guys are just totally filled with right now has overcome one of them. To the point where he's fighting. What do we say? Fight or flight? Fear, anxiety, confusion. And so one of them draws their sword and is like, bro, you ain't taking Jesus. I'm hacking your ear off. And I'm ready to fight whoever, whenever, wherever to the death, right? He thinks maybe he's doing the right thing, but that's what the flesh would tell you, isn't it? When, When you're listening to yourself. And so... When he says in the video, a, I wrote it down so that I don't have to try to remember it, a harmless man is not a good man. A good man is a very dangerous man who has that under voluntary control. So it's not to say that he's weak and can't fight. I mean, I don't know about you, but he just precision-hacked a dude's ear off. I'd say he can fight. He probably did that on purpose. He was like, ear, gone, next. Okay, so it's not that he's technically weak, right? He knows how to fight. The point is, don't fight. It's not your job to fight. You're not supposed to be fighting, and you're just supposed to keep your weapon sheathed. At the end of the video, also, and it's amazing how the two went together because I didn't even see this stuff come together until uh, yesterday when, at the end of the video, he says, those who have swords, this is Jordan Peterson, he's expanding on the verse, the meek shall inherit the earth. He says, those who have swords and know how to use them, but choose to keep them sheathed, will inherit the earth. Well, what is that? It's fruit fruit of the spirit. It's self-control. You've got faith enough in God to trust that he will, not on your timing, don't freak out about timing. You have to have faith enough that at the right time, God will come through for you. You don't have to draw your weapon and fight on your own. You just have to stand there and not bow down and not give in to these people. Forget those people. That's why I said be a rebel. You're not being a rebel. Everybody's doing that, man. Stand up and say, what do you got? Give it to me. God can handle it. You're toast, buddy. You may think I'm toast. You got a whole crowd of people here. You're toast, dude. Do what you got to do. I'm standing right here. Jesus said, put your sword back in its place. His disciple lost all self-control, man. He didn't have the fruit of the Spirit because he wasn't praying for the Spirit to come and take over. So he didn't have any of that. Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. It's not your job to fight. I don't care what's going wrong. You know, I've been having conversations with people, and this and that is going wrong in in the big scheme, you know, in the US or whatever. It's like, we got to fight. We got to do something. (laughs) Bull crap, you got to fight. You got to pray, and you got to trust God. (laughs) That's what you got to do. That is so much harder to do, by the way. It's so easy just to be like, Let's go storm the capital. You know what I mean? Let's fight. But what's funny is the next thing Jesus says, do you think that I cannot call on my father? And at once put, it, he at, sorry, and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels Did you hear me? So who's going to do the fighting? God and his angel army, right? You know, before I even continue on this, when Jesus is being tested in the wilderness, the devil tells him, throw yourself off of this cliff for it is said that God will send his angels concerning you. And I don't know specifically how it says, but basically not a hair on your head will be touched. You'll be totally fine, Jesus. Just do it. Show us us what you can do, man. And Jesus says, it is also written, do not test God. So don't go into a battle or a war that God hasn't waged and expect him to come in and save your butt. That's what don't test God means. He's got some angels at his disposal. But if you just start going in and waylaying people when that's not what you're supposed to do, don't tempt God to come in and rescue your sorry butt. You know what I mean? Not to say I wouldn't. I mean, I'm a human. I'm preaching like this is what we're supposed to do. Not that I totally do this all the time. You know what I'm saying? So let's start that little part over. For all those who draw... The sword will die by the sword do you not think I can call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels but how then would the scripture be fulfilled that say it must happen this way in the wilderness Jesus here's the whole point is Jesus is on the earth not just to die for us but to live and be an example okay and he's been doing all this preparing. When he's in the wilderness, he fasts for 40 days. This is another reason why I say he's an extreme example, because it says Jesus fasts for 40 days. He's still alive. It's like if Sully fasts for 40 days, the next verse is, and he's dead. Super extreme, okay? He's fasting for 40 days, and he's getting ready to do the perfect will of the Father, okay? We're supposed to do the will of the Father. It won't be perfect, but here's the point. Jesus, I totally <laughs> I totally believe, could have, because I believe he had the free will, could have made at some point the wrong choice. I believe that's the whole point, is that he had the free will to totally make a wrong choice at some point. The third thing that the devil asked Jesus is, He takes him up on the mountain and says, you can have the whole entire world, all of this beautiful stuff, all of the kingdoms. All you got to do is kneel down and worship me. Jesus had the opportunity of tyrannical worldwide power. I'm taking it. You hear me? Sully Dill is taking it. But Jesus knows that there is something much better than that. And so though he had the free will, he's been prepping for 40 days, fasting, becoming filled with the Holy Spirit, to where without even a flinch, he says, away with you. I'm done with you, get out of here. Right? So back to this. In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? You wanna know the answer to that? The answer is yes. Jesus is totally, totally leading a rebellion. But against what? He's rebelling against the kingdom of man and what society has bent towards with these high priests and elders and what they're teaching all these people. He's totally rebelling against that. The answer is, yeah, but technically, no, right? Every day I sit in the temple court's teaching, and you do not arrest me. But this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. To the very end, Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit and just continues to press on forward, no matter how hard the situation at hand was. This is a total flip-flop. Jesus totally and completely filled with the Holy Spirit, is able to endure. Well, what's his disciples on the totally other end of the spectrum right now? Well, what's the rest of the verse say? Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Right? So what does that mean, Sully? I don't I don't know what to tell you. I don't think it getting get any clearer. In a second, we're gonna do our song. I wanted to do the song towards the end because it's none but Jesus, right? Specific reason why I did that song is because society would have us edit out Jesus. Society would have you believe. It you know what? Actually, it's smarter than that. It's more deceptive than that. I just talked about earlier a universalist unitarian. Hoobity, hobbity woody, church. It's like they're not just telling you full stop that God and Jesus is bad. They're trying to manipulate that enough to make you believe it. It's like, no, this is good. We have homosexual pastors now. It's very deceptive and very easily uh, bought into. That's why so many people do. But there is none, none, no, none but Jesus. At the end of the chapter, or at the end of the book, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. This is after he has risen. I don't know if, Briggs, did we write that down? 28 and then. This is after Jesus has been crucified. This is after he has risen. And this is what he's telling his disciples, which are you and me, okay? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything, all caps, it's not, but it should be, everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am always with you to the very end of the age. In this world, to the bitter end, he is always with us. And we have to pray To God in order to gain the power of the Holy Spirit and to have self-control enough, faith enough, and patience enough to still believe that. And the last thing I'll say, and then we'll play the music, and like I said, Dad will come do a couple announcements and pray us out. last thing I'll say, too, is that we all have gifts. It's not just about understanding what's bad and what's wrong with us, how weak we are, but God has also given us some gifts. And let me tell you what else is edited out. A lot of those gifts, right? I see nowadays, young people especially, it's like they're not exercising the gifts that God gave them. Like music, you know, playing instruments, things like that. And investing in that and understanding that we're in our increasingly sophisticated way of being, we're just more inclined to do this sit on a screen okay so we need to understand that God has given us gifts and we have to use them we have to pray to God if we don't know him to reveal him to us and allow him to use those to do what what we just talked about What does he say make disciples of all nations you have to use your gifts to do this baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, you have a spot, you have a place, you have gifts, you have a reason, you have a will. You just got to follow God and pray to him and walk inside of that. Okay, so we're going to do worship now. So if you want to stand or whatever you want to do, I think it's an important time. And now one of the reasons I wanted to do it towards the end is because if you pay attention close to the words, you'll realize how important none but Jesus is.